Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn and Charged. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus, and thanks for listening. Welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So the impeachment defense attorneys before the state continue to make their case for expanding the powers of the executive branch to obstruct justice from sea to shining sea and beyond. Right now, they're contemplating expanding those powers into outer space. This is breaking news. In collaboration, it seems, with the Space Force, which plans to laser delete any principal or house manager or falling meteor or normal person with a brain that gets in their way. They're building kind of a galactic shield wrapping around the stratosphere meant to protect the president from any incursion of justice or the law. Uh, that's a pretty good case they have there. Sci-fi from 73-year-old fired Baylor president Ken Starr and 81-year-old accused child rapist Alan Dershowitz. Oh, there's also the oddly discotheque-clad gun lobbyist and token pretty person Pam Bondi. And of course, Chief Jew for Jesus, Jay Seculo. Thank you, listener Windsor man, for teaching me how to say his name. I bring up all these kind of mean descriptions for two reasons. First because they're true. Dershowitz has been accused of child rape. Starr was fired from Baylor for shutting down investigations into alleged rapists. And Bondi is a gun lobbyist. And let's take a minute on her. Bondi, among other things, has sued the state of Florida for not allowing people to have, oh, you think I'm going to say guns? No, no, no. She's not suing them for not allowing people to have shotguns or rifles or handguns or concealed handguns. Of course, that's fine. Or also, assault rifles, also fine. Giant assault rifles, of course, that's fine with Florida, the ones that can mow down a small church. Absolutely fine. The Second Amendment nuts are sure that the Constitution protects that amount of lethal force in the hands of any big box store shopper. But no, 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 no. Pam Bondi has sued to be sure that anyone who chooses to, can pick up bump stocks. These are the gun accessories that are controversial, even with the most extreme members of the gun lobby. And they're the ones that in 2017 let a 64-year-old Nevada man in Vegas high roller fire off so much ammunition so quickly, he was able to murder 48 people and injure 869 more at a concert on the Las Vegas Strip. Nothing close to a gun is Pam Bondi's hobby horse, much less a musket, as the Second Amendment was designed to protect. Rather, she likes the instruments of mass murder, bump stocks, and wants to keep them cheap and available. Now, this was my first reason for bringing up these facts about the defense team. They're true, and I don't want any truth to get lost in the mad word salad they're tossing around among the defense in the Senate. 
But I have a second reason, too. I bring up these details about Dershowitz, Starr, and Pam Bondi as a reminder that there is no equivalent between the dignified House managers who brought the impeachment charges against Trump and the sickos who are defending him. When you listen to Dershowitz, Starr, and Bondi, remember, sex slave trafficker Jeffrey Epstein, a legion of rapists, and bump stocks. That's what Trump defenders also defend. Which brings me to my guest, Karen Schwartz. She's an expert on this defense team, a novelist and the original lady playing along at home who is no longer at home. She's stepped out to write a series of brilliant editorials about Trump, including most recently one about his defense team. She and Frank Figluzzi have a new piece out on NBC's Think site about the disturbing pasts of Alan Dershowitz and Ken Starr. Karen is so good at picking up on what gives her the creeps and pursuing the creeps to their source. She's also one of my favorite running buddies. Karen, welcome to Trumpcast. Thanks so much for having me. As we both have to just forward, we have been fellow travelers, foxhole buddies since yes. 2016. Big time. And our friendship was very much forged when you were but a lady playing along at home. You are the OG lady True. playing along at home. Talk a tiny bit, like three minutes, okay. about how you came to this pretty pass. Okay. Well, it is an origin story for sure, as you have coined it. Yes. Basically, my late husband, who died in 2007, had a strange career interlude anomaly situation where he worked in Trump Tower Mm -hmm. for roughly a year. And that was in 2000, 2001. Like, distinctly, he was definitely there for September 11th. Okay. And at the time that he worked, it wasn't related to Trump, what he was doing. However, he would come home and regale with tales. And his strong sense was that there was Russian mob all over the place Mm -hmm. and that Trump himself was somehow involved, that everybody in the building had some connection to Trump. There was a lot of live workspace going on, as we then later learned with Paul Manafort. Yes. You call it like the felons we work or something. Yes, exactly. Like a creep hostel, right? Creep hostel, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, this is not political, folks. This is 2000. Who who thought Donald Trump was political? No one. Yeah. You know, even by the time my husband passed away in 2007, who would have thought, you know? But it was to the level that He wanted to get out of the building. He felt that it was very shady. He did not want to come cross paths with people in the building, not within the building. He didn't want to be on anybody's radar. It just creeped him out. And wasn't there something with the elevator? And Trump Tower elevator, of course, has become significant in everybody's story. But at the time, what was, I mean, remind us. He would wear either headphones, which the big headphone look thing Mm -hmm. was not operative as a fashion or whatever statement at that time. Yeah. Or like distinct headphones or distinct earmuffs because he did not, he wanted to not appear to be listening or eavesdropping on anything going on in the elevator. And you also are a connoisseur of one particular member of Trump Tower that definitely doesn't get enough attention. That's the late Chuck Blazer. Yes, because of my late husband. Who yes. Was, who knew him rather well. They were they shared a wall, I think, even they're all, I'm pretty sure he was right next to him just randomly. The FIFA, which is the soccer organization. The corrupt. corrupt. He was the head of it, right? He was the head of didn't the look, North American. Didn't yeah. look much like a soccer player or no. an athlete or no. even a particular interest in athletes. No. He also kept on a 
apartment for his cats, Correct. Right? Yes. He was like WeWork Plus. Oh, okay, because he got the cat exception. He had two apartments. He mm-hmm. had an apartment for, this is widely reported, you can yeah. Google it, folks, is that he had one apartment for himself, Chuck Blazer, yeah. and one for his 12 or something cats. Amazing. Cat apartment. Cat yes. apartment. Cat oh. apartment. <laughs> so the idea I think of your late husband and then him bringing the story home, that he's some kind of Frank Serpico or Aaron Brockovich that he's around listening, Karen Silkwood. Or like, yes, but no, because like deliberately, like I don't want to right. hear anything, right. like and, aggressively not listening. And I when we've say. when we've talked about, and you and I are fans of Bill Browder, yes, the crusading now criminal justice he calls himself, right, proponent and, and author promoter of the Magnitsky Act, that he said, you know, when you are in the presence of Vladimir Putin, he's always kind of bribing and blackmailing you at the same time. You don't even want to get in the room. Mm-hmm. And Craig Unger said this too. Someone like him or a, or a mobster, Russian mobsters, kind of giving you caviar and t- kind of testing you to see if you'll confess to liking prostitutes or whatever. Something, yes. And putting those headphones on. Just folks, if you find yourself in the company <laughs> of someone that looks like Lev Parnas yes. before he flipped. That's right. Maybe just don't say a word. Yes. Just go down the elevator in silence. It was very don't stand so close to me. Yes. Okay, I get that. All right. So you sort of found me or I found you on Twitter pretty soon after the election Mm -hmm. with just WTF. Exactly. And it was we sort of noticed that we were kind of studying the same kind of tweets Mm -hmm. and and thinking something really bad has happened here. Also, you know what? One of the first things I don't know if you remember that you do that we connected on was you wrote an article about Howard Stern. Oh, yes, exactly. Howard, mm-hmm. so this was then, so this was in the summer of 2016, mm-hmm. right? Um, Trump's appearances on Howard Stern and how mm-hmm. Howard Stern had kind of turned the tables on him. And we now see that Howard yeah. Stern is a supporter of that grandmother who's not running for office, mm-hmm. Hillary but still Clinton. apparently upsets people. We both noticed this, and you're a novelist, a longtime journalist, and certain details started to crystallize for you and fell into place with what you knew about Trump Tower. I, mm-hmm. I think Craig Unger's original, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has their sort of original observation about all this. Some mm-hmm. of the discrimination lawsuit against the Trumps in the 70s, some people his alignment with the Russian mafia in the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. Unger says at one time he just looked at the tenants and the owners in Trump Tower and just a lot of Russian names mm-hmm. and a lot of cash purchases. Yeah. And he started to think, is this whole thing a money laundering operation? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there's a lot that just smells funny. Yeah. And it's bizarre now, you know, in hindsight, obviously everything is 2020, but like there really is a lot. I mean, my husband's not in any way like a player in any of this, did not work for Trump, though he met him a few times because Trump and Chuck Blazer were friends. He was sort of a clownish figure in New York at that time, Trump. So it wasn't, you have to sort of go back to that to understand the mentality. But like this whole situation was sketchy, very sketchy. It still is shocking to me and bizarre. And I guess my operating principles, you know, thinking what would my husband be thinking right now? Because it's so, even if just anyone thinks back to 2000, would someone have told you Donald Trump's going to be president? I mean, it was to the level that The Apprentice came on and Mike would be like, how are they letting him do this show? Wow. That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.